Brilliant, it's great to see you guys today and um, to be with you. Uh, I hope you're all doing well. Everyone well? Yeah? Good? Good, good, good. Um, those of you who are, are regulars here will know that we've been um, talking and taking some time out recently to focus on our family DNA together as, as Light and Life. And we've been asking ourselves, what is our family DNA? Um, what is it that we share together? What is it that unites us? What are our um, priorities and our values? And the starting point we believe for our family DNA, the starting point for our values is the fact that God is love. And so our highest value is to love. And then we we break that down into three key headings. We believe that we are called to love God. That is the first and foremost thing as a church, that we are called to love God. He comes first. He is the one that we exist for. He is the one that we are here for. He is the one that we give our lives to. And then secondly, we're called to love the church, to love his church, to love one another. And we love one another because we're the family of God, because we are brothers and sisters, aren't we? We're united together because we know that that actually God loves each one of us. As we talked about that, he cares for each one of us intimately and dearly. So when we look out at one another, we see people of value that God created and God designed And so we want to care for one another and love one another and treat one another as those people of value and be that kind of a community together. We want to play a part in seeing one another step into everything that God has for us and be able to enjoy seeing that come about. The third heading then that we're going to start to focus on today is we are called to be a people who love the world, who love God's world, the world that he created, the world that is beyond just our community here. You know, as we've been talking about the values, we've kept coming back again and again over the last few months to what it is that we are here for, haven't we? That question of why are we here as a church? What is the purpose that God has for us as a church? And we've said that that we exist to see God's love transform lives as we follow him. That is the reason that we're here, isn't it? That's what we're, we're about. And, and one of the ways that God confirmed that over the time, I don't know if you can remember thinking back, but, um, but Lorna had a picture that she felt God gave her of the roof opening up and a multitude of fish coming down through the roof. And as a sign of what God's promised to us in this season of the, the people that he's going to add in to, to this church and into his kingdom. And then that was backed up by the promise that it was going to be start with the first initial phase of 153 big fish. 153 real, genuine people whose lives are transformed as they encounter Jesus and they begin to to follow him. And that's exciting, isn't it? I hope that's something that you can get excited about. And when we begin to think then about our reason for being here, if that's our purpose, we are here to see God's love transform lives as we follow him. We are here to, to see God's promise come to pass of 153 big fish being added into this church. Then we suddenly begin to realize how important it is that one of our highest values that we, that we love God's world. Because you see, if that's not part of our DNA, if we love God and we love his church and we stop there, then we're never going to become fishers of men. Or we'll be as keepers of an aquarium. Seriously, we'll be a bunch of well-fed and cared-for fish that people on the outside might look at and think is attractive, but is actually going to accomplish nothing. You know, being the family of God and loving one another is vitally important, and it creates a beautiful community that is attractive and people want to be a part of that speaks volumes to a lost and lonely world. 
But if we want to become fishers of men, if we want to become the people that God calls us to be and fulfill our purpose as a church, then we've got to go beyond simply loving God and loving his church and move on to loving his world. You know, when it comes to loving God's world, if, if um, we can move on to the next slide, we, we break that down into to three key headings. We, we say that what it means to love uh, his world is to be gospel-focused, to be culturally aware, and to be committed to those in need. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be focusing on those different things. But today, we're focusing particularly on what it means to be gospel-focused. And we, we define that and we explain that by saying it means that we um, are going to be people who are living lives of everyday mission, seeking to share and be the gospel, seeking to share and be the good news about Jesus. So today, what we're going to be focused on, what we're going to be talking about, is what it looks like to be gospel-focused people, to live lives of everyday mission. And I know that immediately, some of you will start to feel uncomfortable with that, and feel like this is something which is going outside of your comfort zone outside of what you might see as your own personal gifting. And it's something that you, you, you feel like you're not very good at, or you've not had much success at, and you, you find is uncomfortable to you. But you know what? While, while some people might find it easier than others, I doubt there's a single person here today who is a passionate follower of Jesus who is at the same time as that satisfied with their effectiveness in sharing the good news about Jesus. And there's not a single person here you know, I, I, I don't know if anyone's seen the film Schindler's List. You get the scene right at the end, don't you? Um, of, of, of Schindler is there, and the, the Jewish community, and they're thanking him for, for everything that he's done. They present him with a, a letter with all these signatures. They present him with a ring um, which, which says on it in Hebrew, he who saves one life saves the world. And, um, and, and he, he begins to break down. This man who's, who's been so effective, this man who's done so much, this man who has a heart for these people, and he begins to break down and he says, I could have done more. I could have done more. This car, if I just sold this car, that's 10 people right there. This lapel that I'm wearing is gold. If I just sold this, that's another two people that I could have saved. And even though this man is, is someone who the Jews come out and say, no, you, because of you 1,100 Jews and how safe. Even though this man is one who's been effective and he's been fruitful and he's given his life to trying to save people, he still has that feeling of, I could have done more. And when we've got that perspective, when we're passionate followers of Jesus, when we look out and we can see the millions of people out there who don't know him, who are in need of a saviour, there is never a point that we reach where we don't sit back and say, I could have done more. I could have done more. The reality is that every single one of us, to one extent or another, probably feels a level of regret at missed opportunities that we've had. Or feels somehow um, uncomfortable and, and, and fake, because even though we know this is what we're about, even though we know this is what God's heart is, that actually... If we're honest with ourselves, we lack a real love and compassion for the lost. And do you know what? If it helps, I put myself in that category as well. And so this morning, I'm not talking as somebody who's got it all sorted. I'm not talking as somebody who's got all of the answers. I'm not coming to you with a rod trying to beat you into shape and get you to go out and do more. This morning, I'm coming to you as someone who wants to share something in my heart. Something of my longing and my dream. 
both for myself personally and for us as a church together. And my hope and my prayer is that as we, as we focus on what it looks like to love God's world over the next few weeks, that, that my life and that your lives will be impacted by the power of God and we will become more fruitful and effective because of it. That we will be set free from, from whatever's in our lives that hinders us and holds us back from being God's witnesses. And that we'd experience a touch of God's power, not only when we gather together here, which is fantastic, but as we go out from here into our workplaces, into our our schools, into our our family settings, into our neighborhoods and on our streets with our friends, as we rub shoulders with those who don't know Jesus. You know, my dream is that every single one of us would be set free from the paralyzing effects of, of guilt and fear and be empowered by the Spirit to be effective witnesses effective fishers of men. So this morning, it's not about feeling guilty. It's not about feeling like you're not doing enough. This morning, I just want to paint a picture. I want to paint a picture of the great purpose that God has for you and that God has for me. Trusting that as we do that, God by his spirit will be at work amongst us, transforming our hearts from the inside out so that we would be effective fishers of men. I just want to pray and then we'll carry on. Yeah, Heavenly Father, it's my longing and my heart and my dream. But God, I know it's even more your heart and your longing to be at work within each of our lives, to set us free, to set us free from inhibitions, free from fear, free from guilt, to set us free to be the people that you call us to be. I just pray that by your spirit today, over this coming week and over the next few weeks, that you would just be at work within my life and with each one of our lives here. That this would be an exciting time, Lord, of of stepping into fulfilling more of your purpose for us. Of seeing you at work. Of having opportunities to share with people about you. And of suddenly finding that we're not afraid. But it's a joy to do it. Just come and work amongst us. Work amongst us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So when it comes to when it comes to painting that picture, I think that the best place to start is with Jesus' relationship with his, his followers that we that we can read about in the Bible and the purpose that he, he has for them. And what we discover is that one of the first statements that Jesus ever ever makes when he's calling them to come to him, he says, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So the very beginning point of everything is, this is your whole purpose in why you are going to be following me, and why you want to come and follow me, is because this is what I'm going to do with you. This is my purpose for you. And then as we, as we kind of fast forward to the end of things, right to the end of Jesus' time on earth, why don't we, we read some of the last words that Jesus' uh, words were to his followers, as he tries to help them see what their real purpose is. And these should pop up here. Brilliant. So this is what we read in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Mark writes something similar. In Mark 16, verse 15, which says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We can move on. That'd be great. Um, Moving on to to Luke, the one after that as well. So Luke is a a detailed, meticulous doctor. He doesn't want to miss a thing. And this is what he writes in Luke chapter 24, verses 46 to 49. It says, Jesus told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then we've also got John's version of events in John 20, verses 21 to 22. And and he says this, he says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And lastly then, when Luke is writing about Jesus' last words, just before he's taken up to heaven, in in Acts 1, verse 8, he writes, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we've got five different accounts from four different people that the most important thing that Jesus wanted to make clear to his followers and make sure they understood about their purpose before we left them is that we are called to be his witnesses. Now, there's loads of things that we could begin to to draw out of all these different verses that we've we've read, but there are two things which I think stand out across all of them. And the first thing is that the purpose of being a witness of Jesus is for all of his followers all of the time for all of his followers all at the time. You know, we see that each and every person who experiences a, a life-transforming encounter with Jesus is called to bear witness to that encounter, to share about it with others who don't know him. And ultimately then, if you're a follower of Jesus, then God's great purpose for you, God's great purpose for me in our lives is that we would do that, that we would be his witnesses. You know, sometimes... I don't know, maybe this isn't something you've ever kind of thought about. Maybe this isn't something that you've, you've seen other people think about. But sometimes I think it can be easy to begin to think that being Jesus' witnesses is a special gift that God just gives to some people and not to everybody. And we feel uncomfortable about, um, about kind of sharing with other people. And so we tell ourselves, well, that's just not my gifting. That's not what it is that, that God's called me to. And the other thing that I think is easy to begin to think is that, that witnessing is something that we do at specific times or specific places when we've, we've planned or organized an event. And when we start to think along those lines, we begin to convince ourselves that we somehow have a choice if we are going to be a witness or not. But you know what? You've not got a choice. You know, Jesus said in the, in the verses that we read from Luke, you are witnesses of these things. And if we think about what it means to be a, a witness for a minute, you know, if you were a witness of a crime, you were at a, a crime scene when it occurred, and you, you get called to go into court to, to bear witness to what it is that you have seen, you don't have a choice if you're a witness of that crime scene or not, do you? You are a witness whether you like it or not. The only thing that you have a choice about is whether you're going to be a good witness in court or a bad one. Either way, you're a witness. You know, when we encounter and we experience Jesus for ourselves, we become witnesses of who Jesus is. 
If you have encountered Jesus, then you are his witness. All the time. Everywhere you go. In every part of your life. The only choice you have is, are you going to be a good witness in how you share your experience of him or a bad one? The second thing that I think we we see across all of these verses is the idea that as followers of Jesus, we are a sent people. We're sent to go out and to be witnesses rather than wait for people to come and see us as witnesses. You know, when I talk about being sent and going out, I don't just mean going out to a foreign country to do mission or going off to another town uh, for a particular kind of event that you're going to do and come back from. What Jesus says is, as you go, as you, you go from here, be my witnesses. Yes, that means to the, to the whole world, but start with Jerusalem. Start with where you are now, with the people that you're rubbing shoulders with in the everyday life, day in and day out. Start with them. As you go about your life in Jerusalem, be my witnesses. You know, imagine for a moment that we, um, we understood this is our great purpose and, and we accepted and all of us had this great heart that we wanted to be Jesus' witnesses. And, and so imagine for a moment that as a group of 100 or so people, we've just arrived in St. Austell all together at the same time as missionaries with this heart. And we, we get together and we, we talk and we say, well, we're all here. We've arrived. We, we don't have any jobs. We've got nowhere to live There's about a hundred or so of us. What what are we going to do? What should we do to be be witnesses of Jesus in St. Austell and the surrounding area? And do you know what I think we'd probably end up at? I think we'd say, well, we need to get jobs. So why don't we all go and find jobs in different places and doing different things? And and we need to to have somewhere to live. So so why don't we just pray and ask God to guide us and and the Spirit to guide us so that we all find different homes and different places that we can live in, different areas of the town where we're rubbing shoulders with different people in different communities. Let's not all live in the same place or, or work in the same place. Instead, let's live and work among the people that we've got a heart for and that we want to reach. So that we're rubbing shoulders with them day in and day out and able to be effective witnesses to them of who Jesus is and what he's like and the difference that he's made within our lives. You know, wouldn't that be a great strategy for being able to reach the maximum number of people in St. Austell? And isn't it then encouraging that as God puts his church together, that's exactly what we have. We're a community of a hundred or so full-time missionaries. A hundred or so full-time witnesses of who Jesus is in St. Austell. And we have been placed strategically in different places of work, in different places where we're living, so that in our everyday lives we can bear witness to who Jesus is. So that we're naturally of people who go out from church into the community. It's just who we are as Jesus' witnesses. And that's exciting. You know, Charles Spurgeon put it bluntly and clearly, and I don't think you can get... um, any more blunt or clear than this. But he, he said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Which are you? You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are a full-time missionary, a full-time witness of who Jesus is. So think about your normal, everyday moments of life. Think about the, the normal things that you do in your week. And when we think about our lives, every single one of us, we have people we're surrounded by, don't we, who don't know Jesus. 
might be people on our streets, our neighbours who we live alongside. It might be people in work or people at school. It might be friends. It might be even be people in our own house, our own family who don't know Jesus. We're surrounded by them. People who need Jesus. Surrounded by people who, when life gets tough, they have no hope and they're searching for something. And God has a purpose for you in your relationships. God has a purpose for you in where it is that he has placed you and the people that are surrounding you. You have been placed there strategically by God as his witness. So the big question then is, how do we do it? You know, if every single one of us are followers of Jesus, every single one of us are full-time witnesses, how do we go about being good witnesses and not bad ones? If you think again, go back to what, a, what is a witness and what a good witness is and think again in terms of uh, the, the crime scene and that court case and, and what a good witness would look like. You know, a good witness is someone who remembers clearly what it is that happened, what it is that they saw, what it is that they experienced and then is able to share it faithfully and truthfully with others. So if we want to share and be good news of Jesus and be witnesses of Jesus, good witnesses of Jesus in our everyday lives, we need to keep our eyes fixed on what Jesus has done for us, what it is that we have seen of Jesus, what it is that we have experienced of Jesus, what it is that we have encountered of Jesus, so that we're able to then share that faithfully and truthfully with others. Now, Peter writes in, in 1 Peter 3, verse 15, we need to always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks us the reason for our hope. We need to be prepared to be a witness of the life-transforming encounter with Jesus that we have experienced and that gives us hope, whatever it is that we're facing. You know, I think one of the reasons why some of us sometimes can feel a little bit kind of scared and intimidated by the idea of, of sharing the good news of Jesus with people. It's because we think that we've got to, in that kind of first encounter with them, explain everything and tell them this whole big story of God's great purposes of how he's saved people. And, and so we, we think we've got to start by talking about how, how God created everything and how he created humanity and we was in relationship with us and everything was good and it was perfect, but then how humanity messed everything up. And humanity rebelled against God. And that caused a separation and a brokenness, not only in our relationship with him, but within our own lives and within the world in general. And then we, we, we've got to go on and explain how, how God was a just God. And how he, he needed to deal with those wrong things and deal with that rebellion. But how he was also a, a God who, who loves us. And wanted to be in relationship with us and wanted to be able to, to fix what had happened. And so how in Jesus, he, he chose to, to become a created human being, the only perfect human being, and to, to willingly choose to die in our place and to suffer the punishment that we deserve so that we could be forgiven and come back to relationship with him again. You know, that's amazing news. That's fantastic news. That's the core of the good news of Jesus. But when we're talking of, about being Jesus' witnesses about what it is to share and be good news to the people around us and to draw them to Jesus, I don't think that needs to be, always be the starting point. That doesn't need to be what it is that we try and share the first time we meet someone in that first conversation, the first time that it comes up. When you stop and think about what it is to be a witness, and when you put that together with what it is that Peter writes in, in 1 Peter 3.15, I think the starting point 
is not being able to simply pass on information, however true that information might be. The starting point is to be able to share with people the reason for our own personal hope. It's being able to share with people and be a faithful witness of our own personal experience and encounter with Jesus and the difference that he's made in our lives. And there are so many different reasons for hope, aren't there? So many different ways in which Jesus makes a difference in our lives and ways in which we encounter him. The ways in which he provides for us. So many different ways in which we can share the good news of Jesus and the reason that we have a hope in him. You know, one of the things that I think is, is, is clear in these verses, we, it came up in, I think, three of the different um, accounts of the five of them, is that to be effective witnesses, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus knows that on our own, we can accomplish very little and that we're reliant on him. But I think one of the reasons why we need the power of the Holy Spirit and that we need to wait for the Holy Spirit within our lives and be filled with the Holy Spirit is because it is the Spirit that comes into our lives and works within us and creates that personal experience and encounter with the power of God. That means that knowing Jesus means from moving beyond just information and becomes something that we, we can bear witness to because we've experienced it. So the starting point when we think about being Jesus' witnesses is to remember how we've been transformed through our encounters with Jesus. To remember what it is that gives us hope and then to be prepared to be open and honest and share that with the people around us. And that's a whole lot more natural. That's a whole lot more natural than trying to, to squeeze in a whole, you know, kind of sit, set, prefix gospel presentation into your conversation. It's a whole lot more natural because we do it all the time. You know, recently... Um, Rosie and I have been really enjoying going down to, to Sam's on the Bay. Anyone been to Sam's on the Bay since it's reopened? A few people? Okay. It's fantastic. We love it down there. And every time it even comes remotely into conversation about nice places to go or anything else, we're telling people about Sam's on the Bay because it's great. We go there. There's sand at the cafe so we can sit there, have a relaxing drink, and the kids go off and play. They, they dig and they can be happy for hours and we're left in peace. It's great. You get to look out over the sea, enjoy the view. It's a beautiful place. They have live music. You know, go to Sam's on the Bay. It's, you talk about things when you experience them, when they're good for you, when you believe that, that it's a good thing and you don't want other people to miss out on it. You share it, don't you? It's the most natural thing that we can possibly do in our conversations and we do it all the time. So when it comes to talking to people about Jesus... It's not about trying to give this prefix presentation of the gospel. It's about trying to say to people, it's amazing. This is my experience. This is what's happened to me. And I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out. Now, when you're spending time with people and you feel the Holy Spirit's prompting them to share about Jesus, have in one mind your experience, your encounter with him, that you can share with them that good news and bear witness to that but then also hold with that where they're at. Listen to them. Be sensitive to them and what it is that they're facing in life and what it is that they're going through. And think about how the good news of Jesus applies to their situation. Think about what it is that you've been through and you've faced that's similar and the difference that Jesus has made to you in the midst of it. You know, the first thing that people want to know is why the good news of Jesus is worth believing. 
Why is good news to them in their own situation? You know, it might be the heart cry of the person that you're with that they feel trapped. That they are dissatisfied with life. They're dissatisfied with who they are. They don't like themselves. And they don't know how they can keep going. You know, for someone like that, what they need to hear is that anyone who follows Jesus, anyone who is in Jesus becomes a new creation. That the old has gone and the new has come. That they have the opportunity in Jesus for a fresh start and a new beginning as they trust in him. You know, it might be there's someone who is, is desperately lonely. And the good news that they need to hear is that God sets the lonely into families. And that as we, we turn to Jesus and we follow him, that we, we become his children. We become children of God. And we become united to one another and join this amazing community of the church. And that Jesus promises that he will always be with us and never leave us. Or it might be that the person is, is riddled with guilt. It might be that somebody is feeling riddled with guilt. And the truth is, when we know that we have done things wrong, often the, the thing we can find hardest is to forgive ourselves. The thing that we know is that actually what it is that we've done deserves to be punished. That there is a price to be paid, that there is a debt that needs to be paid. And we can beat ourselves up for those mistakes. And the good news for them is to know that actually that debt has been paid. That punishment has been taken to a far greater extent than £100,000 when Jesus took their place upon the cross. And that they can be forgiven and they can be set free if they will accept what it is that Jesus has done for them. And maybe it's simply a person who feels like life is empty and pointless and fruitless and meaningless. And the good news for them is to know that God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. That God has a, a prepared good works in advance for them to do. And that Jesus came that they may have life and life in all its fullness. And that they may know that actually their life can have eternal value. You know, there's so many different amazing reasons why the message of Jesus is good news. You know, we could talk about it on and on. Good news first to us that we need to remind ourselves on and keep our, ourselves focused on. And then as we're focused on how it is that Jesus is good news to us, and we can revel in that and rejoice in that, we're then set free to be able to be witnesses of that amazing good news to others and to the people around us. You know, it might be this morning as we, we kind of talk about different ways in which Jesus is good news that actually you don't just need to be reminded of it and hold of it, you need to experience it. And you might be one of those people who feels riddled with guilt, one of those people who feels desperately alone, one of those people who, who feels like they need a fresh start. You know, and if that's the case, I want to tell you that the good news of Jesus is true for you. That Jesus doesn't change, and that his promise is just as true for you today, and we would love to pray with you. Um, after the meeting that you would experience and that you would encounter Jesus for yourself and that that good news would become a reality for you. So when Jesus calls us to be his witnesses, he isn't calling us to stand on a street corner with a megaphone. Some people might enjoy that personally, I wouldn't. But um, thankfully he's not calling me to it, so that's alright. He isn't even asking you to 
be able to sit down and explain the whole story of salvation with someone the first time that you meet with them in a single conversation. He's simply saying to you, go out from this place, as you will anyway, into your workplace, onto your street, to your family, and be you. Openly, honestly, you. Be willing to to share who you are and stand out as different because of it. Different in your lifestyle and the choices that you make because you follow Jesus. And make the most of every opportunity to share with people your experience of the difference that he's made in your life. To be a witness of your encounter and experience of Jesus personally. Now, there was a, a preacher in the 1800s called Alexander McLaren who tells a story of how a, a skeptic uh, promised to, to attend his church for four Sundays on which McLaren would be kind of teaching through um, some of the core aspects of, of the message of Jesus. And, you know, that must have been a great challenge for him. I can imagine his eyes lighting up that this guy's going to be coming up there and he's going to give them, you know, two barrels. And um, a skeptic came along as he promised and he listened intently to McLaren's uh, different messages. And after the fourth message, he came and he presented himself to McLaren and, and said, I'd like to, be, um, to become a member of the church and I've given my life to, to Christ. I've given my life to Jesus. And you can imagine that McLaren was absolutely delighted. And, um, but he, he made one, one mistake. He couldn't resist asking the guy, which of my sermons was it that brought you to be able to make that decision? Um, and the skeptic turned and he, he said to him, well, your sermons, sir, were helpful, but they were not what finally persuaded me. He said that after church one Sunday, as he was helping an elderly lady on a slippery walk, she looked up into his face and said, I wonder if you know my saviour, Jesus. He is everything in the world to me. And I would like you to know him too. You know what bears the greatest Witness to who Jesus is and draws people to Jesus most clearly isn't wise and persuasive words. It's an authentic willingness in your normal everyday activities to share your love for Jesus with people and the difference that it is that he's made in your life. To say to them, Jesus is everything in the world to me and I don't want you to miss out. I'd like you to know him too. So I want to encourage you as we, we, we're going to come to communion in a minute, but before we do that, I just want to encourage you with a couple of things to, to leave you with for this week. Um, I want to encourage you, in, as you look, think about the week that you've got coming and what it is that you're going to be doing, to, to pray and to ask God. First and foremost, to ask him to empower you by his spirit, to remind you of the work that he's already done in your life and the promise of the future work that he's going to do in your life. And as as he pours his spirit into your heart to pray that as he does that, that you would just feel a joy welling up within you, a fire being set within you so that, that you are just captivated by who Jesus is and all that is done in your encounter and your experience of him so that you would come alive in Christ most fully. That's an easy thing to pray, isn't it? shouldn't be a hard thing for you to pray for yourselves. But then I want to encourage you to pray for, for God to create opportunities for you to be a good witness with specific people that you know you are going to see through this week. Pray for boldness to make the most of the opportunities. Not having to try and crowbar something into a conversation, but having the readiness to be authentic, honest, 
open about the difference that Jesus has made in your life, about that fire that's burning within you, about that joy within you and how Jesus has made you most fully alive. Be willing to hold out a reason for the hope that you have so that it will stir a hunger within them to know more, to draw near, to hear more. So we're going to come to, to communion as we, as we finish. And it's fantastic to be able to come to communion because as we come to communion, we can come and we can, we can focus ourselves. We can focus ourselves on the good news of all that Jesus has done for us. But also we can focus on ourselves on how that is even possible and what it is that makes it possible for all of that different aspects of that good news to be true. It all comes down to one thing. That because of God's love for us, he was willing to come and die in our place on the cross. He was willing to suffer in our place so that we can be set free. So that we can have relationship with him. So we can have the hope of, of knowing him. The hope of eternal life in him. So that we can know the power of his spirit at work in our lives. And it's only because of Jesus. It's only because of Jesus.